Uh, quick, quick poll. Does anyone here have four or more children? Y'all don't have kids in uh, Ontario? Winter? Where am I at? So, so if you have three or more, raise your hand. All right, that's better. So you can, so some of you can sympathize with the morning that I've had. I've had a very, uh, very adventurous morning. I think this morning took at least six months off my life. That was not a joke. <laughs> Multiple minor panic attacks later, I'm here. Please excuse my tardiness. Could, we just moved, so we're, I'm now over closer to the church, and um, I couldn't find birth certificates, and yeah, every time I come over here, I get lost. Uh, it's, yeah. We came, uh, we came and had dinner with um, Alan and Shelly. We were about an hour and a half late, give or take. <laughs> so, uh, but they welcomed us nonetheless. Uh, pray, pray with me, Father. Um, you know my utter dependence on you. Uh, I need your spirit to settle me, to give me your word. Um, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, let your people be edified and your name be glorified. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Um, I'll be in the 10th chapter of book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew 10, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, this is, um, Matthew chapter 10 is um, a very important passage, it's kind of when Jesus is preparing and commissioning his initial 12 um, for the work of ministry, uh, Matthew chapter 10, and it reads, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts um, and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged from gov- before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and to uh, the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you, uh, how you are to speak or what you are to say. Excuse me. For what you uh, are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not of you to speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one that endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in a town, flee to the next. For, excuse me, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone throughout all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant, a, a servant his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and the, the servant to be, like, to, to be like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Um, for several decades, many in my home country of America would proudly but somewhat naively say things like, 
uh, America is a Christian country. In God we trust. One nation under God. We, we would say things like this somewhat naively, but with the uh, recent and swift changes in government and cultural acceptance, even the most hardcore patriot has to concede the fact that this is no longer the case. In fact, again, in America, um, you are subject to public and private backlash just for merely expressing your beliefs, merely expressing what you believe God said. Today, we're going to look at how, how do we respond to the opposition of the gospel. This message is called A Dangerous Calling. Um, I've been in ministry, I don't remember how many years. I don't remember anything this morning. Uh, <laughs> the charity one, about 14 years, and I'm, I'm, I'm always meeting guys who, who believe I'm called to ministry or I have a calling, da, da, da. And, and this is one of the key places I take them, that there's going to be great opposition. If you're not prepared for the opposition, you're not prepared to be used by God. Um, The context of Matthew chapter 10, again, is Jesus is preparing the 12 disciples to go out for gospel ministry. Verses uh, 5 through 15, he tells them who to go preach to and 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 what to say and heal the sick and don't take any money. So he and and then he takes a turn in verse 16. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Notice this. Sheep and wolves aren't enemies. They're not enemies. Sheep are prey for wolves. When, when, when a wolf sees a sheep, he's out, here comes dinner. Dinner's on its way. Because sheep can't defend themselves. They're, they're helpless. They're slow. They're vulnerable for the attack of wolves. This is the dynamic that Jesus said ministry would be like. Anybody want to sign up for that? <laughs> Where's the sign up for that? The thing about Jesus was very forthright. He said, I'm sending you out on enemy turf. You're not going to be welcomed. They're not going to roll out a red carpet for you. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. The first 12 disciples were sent out to reach people that would harass, hinder, and hate them. Sounds kind of familiar. The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? The, the Lord Jesus and his initial followers faced mockery, hostile opposition, harsh mistreatment. And guess what? We're going to face the same thing. When, when you begin to stand on what thus says the Lord, when you begin to declare the gospel, you're going to face the same opposition that Christ and his initial disciples faced. You won't be liked. You won't be welcomed. Welcome to gospel ministry. But Jesus said, I'm sending you out of sheep amongst wolves. And then he says something interesting. He says, be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Wise as serpents, innocent, innocent as doves. Notice this. This is Jesus is pointing to how we should speak and how we should behave in the midst of persecution. How we should speak and how we should behave in the midst of persecution and affliction. Uh, um, I love how Paul says it in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5, he says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders or unbelievers, making the best use of your time. 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know, so you may know how you should answer each person. Notice this. So, so Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, uh, uh, wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. This is how we should speak, and this is how we should behave. Then Paul says, season your words with salt. Be gracious. Now, as you can see, I, I haven't missed too many meals. I actually lost a little weight. I haven't been able to wear this shirt in about nine or ten months, so yay me. But, but I, I like to eat. I like to eat. And I remember as a child, and even now, I like to sit in the kitchen and just watch my grandmother cook. Also because she feeds me at the same time. But anyway, I, I like to watch my grandmother cook. Now, she was never classically trained, and she never used recipes. My wife would often ask her, you know, uh, how do you make this? How do you make that? She said, just, just do this. Da, 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 da. There you got it. <laughs> but she, even though she doesn't have recipes, she's very meticulous and methodical with how she cooks. Now, when you cook, anybody who cooks or bakes, you don't just dump sugar in. You don't just dump salt in. You use it sparingly because too much salt could ruin the food and too little could give it a bland taste. Jesus is saying this is how we should be with our words, with our actions. He said, be wise as a serpent, harmless or gentle as a dove. We should carefully and intentionally speak and behave in a way that's gracious toward unbelievers, but still declaring the gospel and answering their objections. See, it's a, it's a tightrope. It's a tightrope that we walk. Yeah, you, you can be so gracious that you never get around to the truth or all truth that you never get around to being gracious. It, it's a tightrope. That he, uh, 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 um, John chapter uh, 1 verse 14 said Jesus was full of grace and truth. Many are all truth, no grace. All grace, no truth. It's a tightrope. This means boldly and courageously declaring the gospel, which contradicts the culture, contradicts the world, contradicts the lifestyle, but still remaining gracious when the opposition comes. Wise as serpent, gentle as dove. Let, let, let me ask you a few questions. Let me ask you a few questions. When, when coworkers and friends crack inappropriate jokes or criticize the, uh, uh, your, your faith or criticize the church, how do you react? Let's get real practical. I don't know how it is here in the, the lovely town of Windsor, but, but, but people are very critical of the church, very critical of Christianity. How do we respond when we hear those things? When, when family members question the weird things, if you're a Christian, you're going to do weird things. We just do strange things because God tells us to do strange things. Embrace it. <laughs> I, I am black, I live in Detroit, and we homeschool. We are weird and strange. We just are. Embrace it. But, but following God, he will tell you to do some weird, strange things, and people will have some questions about it. How do you respond when they mistreat you, when they question you, your family members, your loved ones, or when they distance themselves from you? When, when I became a Christian and when I said I'm going to be a preacher, my family started to really act different toward me. How do we respond when this happens? 
How, how do you respond when people who call themselves Christians label you extreme or radical or it doesn't take all that to be a Christian? How do we respond? How do we respond when hot topics like Planned Parenthood or gay marriage or whatever, how do we respond when they arise? Are you a turtle shell Christian that goes into retreat mode? Or are you a bull in the china shop Christian that just destroys everything? Again, never backing down from the truth. Never backing down from the truth. But, but can you walk that tightrope of grace and truth, being gracious but still declaring the truth? Despite how we are mistreated, maligned, misrepresented, mocked, we are called to be gracious, shower them with grace, but still declaring the unchanging word of God without flinching. We don't back down. We don't sugarcoat it. Verses 17 to 18, Jesus is beginning to go into more detail. He's going into more explicit detail about how his disciples would suffer. He said, you'll be flogged. You will be beaten. You will be, you will be uh, mocked. You will go through mock trials. You, you will experience all of these things for my name's sake. One, one of the major... Um, Majorly overlooked narratives. If you look at the book of Acts and if you look at the, the early church, there was a, 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 a tidal wave, a tornado of persecution that hit this church. You know, uh, let's go through it just real quick. Let's humor me. Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John were arrested. Acts chapter 5, all of the apostles were arrested and beaten. Acts chapter 6, Stephen was stoned to death. Now, Stephen, Stephen was arrested. Acts chapter 8, Stephen was sown to death. Acts chapter 9, Paul is arresting, uh, Saul is arresting Christians like crazy. Acts chapter 12, King Herod uh, executes James and attempts to kill Peter. Acts chapter 14, Paul, who was Saul, is nearly stoned to death. And on and on and on. This is a narrative all throughout Acts. The church was afflicted. They suffered. They were persecuted. They were not liked. They were hated. And they were killed. I, I titled this message A Dangerous Calling because, again, if you come to Christ and you declare that you're following him, this means following him through affliction, following him into suffering. It's a dangerous thing. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, he says, Beloved, and this, this is one of the men who was beaten several times and arrested, Peter. First uh, Peter chapter four, verse 12, it says, beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trials which come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So so Peter says this this affliction, this suffering, this persecution, the mockery, the laughing, all of these things that we experience for being believers has two purposes. It says the first is to test your faith and the second you can uh, uh, allows you to share in the suffering of Christ. First, it says, nothing, uh, 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 test your faith. Nothing makes you examine yourself more. Nothing makes you pray harder. Nothing exposes your sin. Nothing makes you truly trust Christ like suffering. 
I was talking to a brother, uh, a young brother who came and who, who is now walking with the body of Restore. This, if you ever read the book of Hosea, his wife is Hosea. She left him several times, for, left him for two years on end, had a baby by the man, drugs, prostitution. His wife just totally went off the deep end. And we were just having this conversation yesterday. I said, and he said, you know what, Pastor Tyler, all of this is making me stronger. Wow. If, if, we, really, if we really realize that the things that we are enduring, the suffering, the persecution, all of these things are actually making us more like Christ. James said, count it all joy when you experience these diverse trials. They strengthen your faith. So, so the affliction, suffering, it tests your faith. And two, it allows you to share in the Christ's suffering. Now, many Christians, because of bad theology, bad books, bad teaching, you stop, don't say nothing. <laughs> All of these things, uh, we, we've, many Christians have embraced this best life now. Every day is a Friday watching you. <laughs> They've embraced this theology, this escapism, that coming to Christ is an oasis from trials, is an oasis. The, the early church had no such disillusionment. In Acts chapter 5, after being arrested and beaten, the apostles left rejoicing because it was an honor to suffer for Christ. Can you, can you imagine that? That mindset. My man Charles Spurgeon said, there will be no crown bearers in heaven that were not cross bearers on earth. There will be no crown bearers in heaven that were not cross bearers on earth. This, this, he said, rejoice. Because if we suffer with him, uh, 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 Romans chapter 8 says the same thing. If we suffer with him, guess what? We're going to reign with Christ. Verses 19 and 20, Jesus gives assurance. He said, now, when you're arrested, when you're beating, when you go through these mock trials, he said, don't be anxious. <clears throat> I got your back. That's the New St. Clair translation. I got your back. Don't be anxious. He said, because the, the spirit of your father are going to give you the words in that hour. See, the Holy Spirit is, is kind of like the wiring in these walls. We don't, we, don't all, we don't always see how God is moving. We don't always see what the Holy Spirit is doing. But guess what? It's there. And it's what? The source of our power. Jesus said, when, it, when that time comes, the Spirit is going to speak. He says, do not be anxious. He promised that the Holy Spirit will give, him, give us the words in those times of affliction, in those times when we have to face persecution, when we have to face those people who are mocking, when we have to face those people who are mistreating us. Jesus said, the Spirit will speak on our behalf. Perfect example of this is, is, is Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, again, uh, Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 8, it says, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said this. He said, when, when they asked him, they said, who do you do these miracles in the name of? Who, who, who gives you the power to do these miracles? And Acts chapter 4, verse 8 says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, declared that this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, 
And he's become the chief cornerstone. He says, and there is, there is uh, no salvation in no other name given among, given under heaven by men that they shall be saved. Again, Peter was filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, this Peter we see in Acts chapter 4 is a totally different Peter from the Gospels. The Peter in the Gospel was all talk, no walk. Big, big bark, no bite. The cowardly lion. He denied Jesus several times. I don't even know him. Don't even know him. Fast forward, filled with the Holy Spirit. He went from denying Jesus to declaring the gospel to the very people that crucified Jesus boldly. What was the difference? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God will take a cowardly lion and make him a saber-toothed tiger. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Transformed a man that said, I don't even know him, denied Jesus, who eventually gave his life for the sake of the gospel. Said the Holy Spirit will speak. The Holy Spirit will give us the words in those times. I, just call me crazy. Call me crazy, but I, I actually believe that God wants to put us in those difficult situations. He wants to put us in those hostile arenas. He wants to put us in those workplaces that are anti-God. He wants to put us around family members who live alternative lifestyles. I believe God does that on purpose. I believe God wants to put us in those positions so he can use us to declare the gospel. Romans, Romans 10, how else will they hear without a preacher? How else will they hear? That, that atheist co-worker, that mocking family member, that backsliding believer, I believe God puts you right in their path for the Holy Spirit to give the gospel th through you to them. I believe that. I believe that. Verse 21 says something kind of scary. <laughs> brother will deliver brother to death. Father, his children. Children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. Every time I read this, I kind of cringe. <laughs> like, like, not my children. They would never do that to me. <laughs> but, but let's jump in the time machine. Let's, let's, we got to go back to understand this verse. Let's go back in the time machine. Most of the Roman Empire and the majority of Jews viewed Jesus as a false prophet and a blasphemer, and the people that followed him a cult. So if you were part of this, you were guilty by association. So if a family member knew that I was of the way or a Jesus follower, they would probably turn me in so they wouldn't get put to death being guilty by association. Scary times, and I don't want to get all Tim LaHaye in last days, but anyway. <laughs> Verse 22, Jesus tells his disciples that you will be hated because they hated me first. See, it's really not even about us. It's about the Lord Jesus. Verse 25 says, and they have called the master of this house Beelzebub. How much more will they malign those of his household. See, don't take it personally. The hatred, the, the mockery, the, the, it's not even about you. 
It's about Jesus. Jesus in in John chapter 15 says, they hate it, they're going to hate you because they hate me and they hate my father first. But the difference is, unlike us, Jesus experienced unfathomable, uncomprehensible persecution and affliction that he did not deserve for us. See, the difference is, you know, we get made fun of. Someone says something nasty to us on Facebook. We get treated funny at our, co- at our job by coworkers. You know, I hate to pull out the cello, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but what Jesus experienced, that's true affliction. That's true suffering. D- despite being sinless, he was falsely arrested, had a mock trial, beaten. Isaiah said he was beaten to the form he didn't even look like a man anymore mutilated, beard plucked, tortured and crucified for us. That's true suffering. Despite being totally innocent, the Lord Jesus was forsaken by the masses, betrayed and denied by his closest friends, and experienced temporary separation from his Father in heaven for us. Again, this is true suffering. We're going to suffer. We're going to be afflicted. But, but in the grand scheme of things, J- Jesus, uh, uh, our, our suffering is this uh, Nestle Pure Bottle. Jesus got hit with a tsunami of suffering for us. For us. This is, this is why Peter said, rejoice. Rejoice. When we suffer, why? Because we're going to reign with Christ. He says, when his glory appears, all of our suffering will be worth it. The mockery, we won't even even remember the mockery. We won't even remember the persecution when his glory appears. Amen? Pray with me. Father, it is... It is mind-blowing when we try to, with our frail human minds and our feeble imaginations, when we try to comprehend your suffering, when we try to comprehend what you experienced on our behalf, Lord Jesus, we'll we'll never be able to understand it. We'll never be able to wrap our minds around it, but we just want to say thank you for it. We, 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 we thank you that you got hit with the Mack truck of God's wrath for us. That you experienced temporary separation from your father. He who knew no sin became sin. That we may become the righteousness of God. Father, we're just so thankful for all that we have and all that we are in the Lord Jesus. Lord, prepare us for this dangerous calling. Embolden us. That, 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 that turtle shell Christian, give them the boldness by your Holy Spirit. That bull in the china shop Christian, give them the grace of your spirit. Lord, use us in ways that we can see our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our coworkers, our friends come into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.